Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Heroes, Ledges, Histories, and Mysteries podcast. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and I'm introducing our newest 1001 show today, 1001 True Stories with Brian Tremblay. Edgar Allan Poe's stories continue to be enjoyed by lots of folks worldwide. I was reminded of that when the Murders in the Room Morgue came up as one of our most listened-to overall episodes in our 1001 collection. One of the most interesting side stories to Poe, and there are many, is the legend of the Poe Toaster, a mysterious figure who for years quietly approached Poe's grave in Baltimore, offered him a toast, and left three roses and the remainder of the bottle behind on the gravestone. 1001 True Stories got in touch with the director of the Poe Museum in Baltimore, Erica Jang, and the following interview is offered. Brian Trombley has compiled a number of interesting true stories at 1001 True Stories, and I'm asking you to give this new show a follow and share it with others. The stories that we've done and the stories we have coming, including, hopefully, your story, make for some great listening. Welcome to 1001 True Stories. My name is Brian Tremblay, your host. Thank you for joining me. This show is where you'll get to meet some of the nicest people on earth. Most of them just regular, ordinary, everyday folks who experience something worth talking about. And it could be anything from a ghost story to a celebrity encounter to a close call, uh, even a family at camping adventure that might have gone wrong. The theory here is that everyone has a story to tell and we'd like to hear it. Today's guest on 1001 True Stories is Enrica Jang. She is the director of the Edgar Allan Poe House and Museum in Baltimore, Maryland. Today, Enrica tells us about a phenomenon that used to happen at Edgar Allan Poe's grave. Good day, folks, and welcome to the program. Today, I have a very special guest coming to us all the way from Baltimore, and I'm going to let this lady tell you about who she is and what she does, and you're on. Thank you for having me. My name is Enrique Cheng. I'm executive director of Poe Baltimore, the nonprofit organization that now stewards, maintains, interprets the Edgar Allan Poe House and Museum in Baltimore, Maryland. We're a tiny house museum uh, in West Baltimore, uh, Baltimore itself, pretty famous for Edgar Allan Poe. So we're mm -hmm. very, very fortunate to have people from just about all over the world to come to Baltimore. He is, of course, he of course lives in Baltimore now. He's buried here. Uh, so um, uh, this is definitely a place for all things Poe. And as a small, the, the last surviving home in the city where Edgar Allan Poe lived with his family, we are a bucket list stop. And uh, as a museum, uh, we do enjoy seeing thousands of people from all over the world each year. We mm -hmm. are also the home. We're also the home of the International Edgar Allan Poe Festival and Awards. Incredible! That's awesome. Um, so this is um, become for the uh, Poe fan. This is the uh, holy grail of visits that they must make. Is that it? I I do tell people we are one stop in the Poe pilgrimage. Um, I think seeing Poe's grave, going visiting Westminster Hall here in the city of Baltimore, that's definitely the the granddaddy of the things you need to do. Uh, but Poe in his lifetime never owned property. Now that he's dead, you can visit three of the houses that he lived in. 
Mm. Uh, the one here in Baltimore. There is one in Philadelphia run by the National Park Service. There is one in New York in the Bronx, the Poe Cottage. And that was the last home of the writer. And that is where his wife, Virginia, passed away. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a wonderful museum to Poe in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, we are loosely connected um, and, and work together on programs, but each of those stops, very important. Uh, Poe's biography is very, very interesting because this is a man who moved a number of different places following the work. One of the first American writers to support himself entirely by his pen. No other family money to fall back on, no other career that he's pursuing. He's a magazine editor and a book critic uh, and uh, a contributor to the magazines that employ him. So he's following this work and and each of the cities uh, where you can visit some part of Poe, everybody wants Poe, a piece of Poe. Uh, you <laughs> learn something, you learn something special about Poe's biography in each of those stops. So yeah. Baltimore is the best. I'm a little biased. Baltimore <laughs> is the best. Poe House is pretty important. This is where he started his professional writing career and where yeah. he makes his chosen family. But right. uh, I highly recommend recommend those stops. Excellent. So uh, just slightly off to one side a little bit. Have you seen um, the latest movie called The Pale Blue Eye with Christian Bale and uh, a young man playing Edgar Allan Poe in his West Point days? I have. Yes, absolutely seen that movie. As a matter of fact, it is one of my favorite books on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had to Louis Bayard, the author. Um, and I could just watch Christian Bale do just about everything. So, yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> I yeah, uh, a lot yeah. of fun. Excellent. And it's true, though, that Poe um, was a graduate of West Point, correct? Not a graduate. Oh, that's right. Uh, he didn't make it. He didn't make it. Uh, he gets himself <laughs> kicked. He gets himself kicked out, which is uh, uh, kind of an interesting part of his uh, biography. Um, he but was a cadet for a brief period of time there. And uh, they like him now. Uh, he was court-martialed and kicked out, but they like him now. You can visit West Point and go to the library and see a bust of Poe and mm-hmm. all, of the, um, all of the cadets who uh, are doing a bit of an English program uh, while they're <laughs> learning their military, getting ready for those mil- that military career. Uh, a lot of fondness for Poe. And we have done programs with uh, the English department at West Point as well. That's cool. Very cool. Now, the, you said that, of course, he's buried in Baltimore. And this is one of the things that I want to talk to you about, because I was introduced to this. I never even knew it had happened or existed. And it sounds kind of weird when you first hear it. <laughs> the Poe Toaster. <laughs> we're, yes. we're not talking about a toaster that toasts your bread for breakfast and, and so on and so forth. We're talking about someone taking a drink and toasting someone. So give me the background on that and what you can tell me uh, that you know of it. Well, absolutely. Um, I I can tell you that I was a big Poe fan before I ever moved to Baltimore, before I ever had this great honor of, of working at Poe House. So when you are uh, in love with the literature, when you're in love with Poe's work, obviously, but then you become interested in the man himself, there is a bit of a, a following. Uh, I, I call us the Poe folk. We're a, we're a strange <laughs> bunch. And, uh, but there's a lot of ritual that comes up and, and springs up around Poe. There's a lot of, um, especially if, if the literature and the poetry kind of touches you and uh, at a time in your life where you're, you need that scare, you need something cathartic or uh, that loss and that love and, and all of those emotions and stuff. And you're 
keeps you awake in English class when you're, you know, first exposed to, to pose work in middle school, but then you, you, you sort of keep with it the rest of your life. And there's a lot of revelation there. So yeah. um, there's great, a lot of ritual that springs up out of, of people's personal connection to Poe. And the Poe toaster is one of those stories that, um, uh, one of those legends that has become a part of Poe lore in the city of Baltimore, a mysterious figure unknown to this day, uh, is said to have crept into the cemetery in the wee hours of uh, the day or uh, wee hours of the morning on Poe's birthday uh, and would leave a partial bottle of cognac and three roses at Poe's grave every year. And then just as silently as he would appear and come, he would leave his tribute and slip away. Interesting. And the legend is that this happened. This was going on for several, several decades before it was really noticed. Mm-hmm. And then once people realized that this was happening consistently over the years, it became a ritual to keep the vigil every year, watch for the Poe toaster. Uh, my um, two times back predecessor, uh, uh, director at Poe House, uh, did keep the vigil for several years, and it would become a, a January event. Right. Uh, people, uh, if you if you felt like hanging out in a cold cemetery uh, in the middle of a cold January <laughs> night right. every year, you could hang out and, and keep your vigil and watch for the Poe toaster. Yeah. Now the person. Um, the per- sorry. Go ahead. Well, no. Well, unfortunately, the tradition uh, ended uh, around 2009, around the 200th anniversary of Poe's birth. Uh, so, uh, but that tradition did, did officially stop, uh, but Baltimore likes, like, we like our traditions and we, uh, we, we keep correct when it comes to Edgar Allan Poe. And so, uh, over mm-hmm. the years, it's much more ceremonial, but it does still happen every year. Right, right, right. Now, um, he, the toaster would dress a certain way, eh? To, to, he had like a cloak and a large hat, I think, or something to that effect. So he couldn't really be seen. Is that correct? It is said that he would wear, uh, he was dressed entirely in black, Johnny Cash black, much like Poe himself. Okay. And known to, to, known to wear black, uh, a wide brimmed hat and a white scarf. I see. Okay. And had any efforts ever been made to try to go up to the person and talk to them? Or do they ever identify the person who might have? Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, in my research, getting ready for our chat, uh, just to, to bone up on, on some of the history here, uh, I know that in many, in several places, it's said that nobody has tried to uncover or unmask the toaster or find out. Um, mm-hmm. And while I do think that for the majority of the years, people were respectful, I grew up in Ohio, uh, again, years before I ever came to Baltimore. And I remember when I was a teen, uh, a news uh, article that had uh, circulated saying, hey, guys, stop trying to find out the identity of the toaster. You're going to ruin this. So <laughs> stop doing that. So I have this memory uh, from school uh, and that's how I even learned about the legend itself. I, but I have re- this memory that someone, uh, people were interested. <laughs> and uh, I personally find it interesting that the tradition stops again, appropriately around the 200th anniversary of Poe's birth of Bicentennial, but also right about the time that cell phones started to be uh, like ubiquitous and people started to to get pretty good with these and have them on them so um, 
there is a, a picture of the toaster that is said to have been snapped uh, and it does appear in Life magazine in the 90s. And that also helps explode this tradition uh, in the, the consciousness of the general public. But um, uh, other than that, that image and then the description of the people who would keep vigil every year, mm-hmm. uh, the, protest, the protesters identity was never discovered. We'll return to our conversation with Enrica Jang from the Edgar Allan Poe House and Museum right after these sponsor messages. And now back to 1001 True Stories with Brian Trombley. Now, did he also leave the toaster, who he or she, um, mm-hmm. did, did they leave like a note or anything like that behind? Because I know people have done that. Indeed. Um, this is a bit controversial uh, because uh, the messages themselves have disappeared. Oh, uh, uh, they should be at Poe House. They are not at Poe House. <laughs> um, and uh, but um, my understanding is that there were messages over the years that were left, even a signal uh, to the people, to the people in the know uh, in the cemetery, who to sort of indicate that this was the real person kind of uh, going through. And uh, later. Uh, there were a couple of faux toasters, uh, folks who were trying to continue the tradition. Uh, there is a period of transition, though, where it seems that a note was left indicating that the toaster had either passed away or had um, decided to pass the torch to mm. a, what is presumed to be a family member. Right. And then after that, there were some infamous messages left, whereas the Poe toaster previously did not comment on, say, politics or comment on sports, this kind of thing, didn't leave these kinds of messages. Uh, Whoever took over the tradition did leave some confounding messages that uh, (laughs) were a surprise to the point where even um, the the person keeping the vigil at the time uh, indicated that he just kept the note back because he wasn't going to share that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and didn't think that the new person was taking it as seriously uh, there you as, go. as the, the person had been doing it. So Don't, that's good. <laughs> I like it. Don't mess with our with our Edgar Allan Poe. Whatever. Don't mess do. with this. Why would you do this? But uh, <laughs> traditions do they do change and and and, and but it was a beautiful tradition that continued for a very very long time. And uh, again, this thing that um, Poe is an international figure. He has touched uh, people's lives in ways that they don't even realize. Uh, mm-hmm. When it comes to understanding Poe's impact on popular culture, he's the father of the detective story. Yes. He defined the modern genres of, you know, mystery and um, horror and the father of uh, the, the sort of master of the macabre. These uh-huh. kinds of things. People understand that, but any mystery novel you've ever read any police procedural you've ever seen even animation like scooby-doo has a direct line back to Edgar and poe and so this is work that still touches our lives every day that's and awesome he's, he is he's rightly a very important figure uh, mm-hmm. for folks and the traditions that come up out of it um it's wonderful and new generations of artists and writers inspired by poe all the time so it's a it's a really great thing to see especially when you're the director of a tiny house museum in West <laughs> well, that's kind of interesting. Now, um, in the movie, The Pale Blue Eye, Poe uh, kind of um, ha- was shown as an amateur sleuth. Uh, did did he ever do any of that kind of stuff since he did write, you know, detective and procedural stories like that? 
It is interesting looking at the inception of the mystery. Uh, there is some indication that in conversations that he had with colleagues and, and, and some of his letters where he indicates that he feels it's a bit of a cheat. When you're the mm. writer, uh, it's almost like a magician who understands the mechanics of misdirection and the trick. When you know how it works, it almost feels like cheating. Okay. But this, the, when it comes to mastery in writing, that's that's the trick. If you can tell someone a story that is well-crafted and has this beautiful, mysterious architecture and comes as a revelation to the reader, that is the formula. And Poe almost creates this without quite even realizing what he's done. Uh -huh. But uh, even um, the creator of Sherlock Holmes, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, he mm -hmm. says, where was the detective story before Poe breathed the breath of life into it? And so that is the highest, yeah. the highest praise that you can uh, can give. And Poe is the, the inventor of the detective story. Yeah. And I guess uh, it was Murders in the Rue Morgue that really was the one that cracked that one, wasn't it? Yes. They're actually, And it's funny because the entire basis of mystery is three short stories written by Poe, Purloin Letter, Murders in the Rue Morgue, uh, and um, uh, The Mystery of Marie Roger. Awesome. And that, that it's not that Poe, it's not that Poe invents mystery, uh, I mean, events the detective. Right. He is the first writer in English language to create a character at the heart of a story whose job it is to solve a mystery by way of step-by-step -step reasoning, ratiocination, as it said in the stories, this this almost scientific process and, and observation, keen observation. That's the formula. This character who's at the heart of this thing taking down a mystery step by step methodically clearly and even though there are twists and turns the the meticulous architect of a short story or or a story in this form uh owes that to poe interesting that's very interesting now something else i wanted to mention um the poe toaster would leave a bottle of cognac and but that really wasn't poe's drink wasn't it was i can't remember the name of it or pronounce it properly for that matter <laughs> but what well, is his favorite drink was, wasn't it? Well, um, <laughs> one of the great pleasures of being a historian at Poe House is just is to do that. Well, actually, uh, <laughs> there is no there is no uh, connection that we can find uh, to cognac necessarily. Uh, Cask of Amontillado, one of my very favorite stories of Poe's, uh, obviously a very specific reference to a specific kind of spirit. Yes, uh, and and but. Poe was not a very wealthy man. Fame did not equal fortune, even though he achieves uh, quite a bit of fame in his lifetime. Fame does not equal fortune for Poe. Poe uh, enjoyed drinking when he could afford it. But um, there's no indication that uh, there are companies out there right now who claim absinthe was Poe's favorite drink, uh, mm. claim that, you know, Poe loved different kinds of spirits. Uh, but there's really nothing to indicate what specifically Poe um, drank. Okay. That's pretty cool. Nonetheless, either way, cognac is appropriate, I think, though. <laughs> Entirely appropriate. It does seem that uh, the Poe Toaster indicated this was more of a tradition of his uh, that he gives to to the ritual itself, yeah. that it was, it was his personal touch or their personal touch, I should say, gotcha. uh, rather than uh, rather than something specific to Poe. But mm -hmm. um, what a lovely it's what such a lovely thing. Yeah, of course. Now, you are um, the. Uh, director of the Poe House and uh have you 
had any spectral or ghostly encounters in the house? Because, I mean, it's Edgar <laughs> Allan Poe. There must be something going on there. There must be. There must be something. <laughs> um, I will tell you what I tell um, everyone who asked me this question, and many people do. I have been very fortunate, uh, or it's sort of dubious distinction, to work in some of the most haunted places, at least in the United States. I lived in Savannah, Georgia for a brief time, worked in uh, uh, Moon River Brewing on River Street and uh, at his uh, uh, the oldest hotel in the United States, the Marquita Lafayette stayed there. And one of the the History Channel, the year that I was there, had declared it the most um, haunted building. I have worked in movie theaters that uh, were built in old cemeteries, lived in apartments built over old cemeteries. um, And and now I work at Poe House. Nobody ever talks to me. Um, my husband teases me because he's like, the ghosts know that I'm interested in them and want them to talk to me, but they're all like, you can't sit with us. They don't. Uh, but it does happen to people around me all okay. the time. And when people do come to Poe House, um, one of my, <laughs> one of my favorite stories, um, we, sh- we had a young woman at the house who had a cell phone sort of resting on the palm of her hand and she was sort of holding it up the way people do when they're mm-hmm. You know, walking around or recording, we didn't even know if she was, you know, in a, had an earbud in talking to someone, but she's walking up and down. And when you do come to Poe House, you, we give you a brief talk to, to explain the significance of the house to Poe's biography, but you do have an opportunity to wander on your own and experience the house yourself. And so mm. buy your ticket, take your ride, and you get a little bit of time to just take in the house. So she's walking up and down the stairs. There she goes upstairs. She goes downstairs. She goes upstairs. She goes downstairs. I'm just kind of watching her, but it's her time, so that's okay. And while she's standing next to me, a voice on the phone says, what date is it? And I was surprised, but I looked at my uh, computer. I was on my laptop at the time, and I looked over and told her. And she looked at me and said, oh, I didn't want to know. The ghost wanted to know. And it was a ghost app. She had a ghost app on her phone. (laughs) And I'm I'm sorry, what what did the voice say again? What date is it? Oh, what date is it? Okay. And, uh, and that's the, uh, uh, that was what she was doing. She was using her, her phone with the ghost app to, <laughs> to sense paranormal activity. And the ghost was standing right next to me. Could have asked me, but instead asked her. And uh, there you go. There you go. So mm-hmm. that's the, that's the one phenomenon I've experienced. Um, I looked up the apps. There's none of them that uh, don't require a bit of a subscription and I'm just not going to pay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to wait. I'm a purist. I'm going to wait for it to happen. Yeah, you're not going to pay for a manufactured ghostly voice, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, just uh, talk to me or don't, man, but I'm not going to pay. <laughs> I'm not going to pay the nickel for that to happen. So, I love it. Excellent. I'm sure, like I said, with uh, the reputation that the man had, I mean, I can only imagine the amount of stories and spectral things that uh, people might have claimed they saw at the cemetery or in the house or whatever the case may be when they're wandering around. Well, I do. I got to tell you though, I do love it. I love oh, yeah. that um, you come to a place where it, and, and in society, not to get too philosophical about this, but these days it's really hard to find common ground sometimes mm-hmm. with folks. I work at a place that is the common ground. No, you're not coming to Poe unless you're getting dragged there. Uh, <laughs> you're not coming to Poe house unless you want to be there. And right. you're coming to Poe House for a reason, to be close to something that you really like. So we find that for the most part, um, it's just a great place to be. 
And B, you immediately have something in common with every single person who walks through the door. And you immediately have something to share with every single person that's there. Um, it's a great job. It is a really great job. So, Outstanding. Excellent. Um, uh, I do love all of the ritual that comes. Uh, uh, and, and I love the fact that, um, uh, again, Poe continues to inspire generations, young people, mm -hmm. older folks. You, you just see this such a spectrum. There is no medium or genre of art that Poe has not, um, Poe has not been represented in some way. Oh, it's yeah. fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, that's awesome. Like I said, I love it in particular. Now, I, I do have to ask, because you said you lived in some of the most haunted or worked in some of the most haunted places yeah. in the United States. Did you have any encounters at those places? No. <laughs> you're just left out. Of, you're left I out. Do. You're um, totally I, left I, out, aren't you? I worked in the cemetery and, and it's one of those, I, I feel I must be a stone because, and knock on wood, it's not that I want necessarily anything too scary to happen, but um, <laughs> I, I do try to keep an open mind uh, in, in such, in, in, I would, I'd be open to the experience. It just hasn't happened for me. I did almost run myself over with my own car uh, when I worked in the cemetery and wow. that's a story for another day, but <laughs> that's, that's about it. That's all that's like the scariest thing that's really happened to me. Awesome, um, awesome, one, awesome. one of those places. All right. That's great. Enrica Dang, thank you so much for coming on the program now. Before we go, I do want you to tell the folks about Poe House, where they can find it, and your hours and your website. So go ahead and give it a plug. All right. Well, uh, Poe, Power of Poe, uh, we are uh, uh, a tourist at location and spot that is open 12 months of the year. Uh, we do weekly tours. We're open every Thursday through Sunday from 11 to 4. Uh, we open on Wednesdays during our peak months uh, from May through October. So do come take a tour of Poe House. We're less than a mile from Westminster Hall and Burying Ground as well. So you can go see the man himself and mm -hmm. do the Poe pilgrimage, if you will. Visit some of those other houses. Visit the Poe Museum in Richmond. Highly recommend those. Um, our biggest event, though, is the International Edgar Allan Poe Festival that does happen in October, the closest weekend to Poe's death day every wow. year. Uh, very proud of that event. Very proud uh, that we're going to be celebrating our seventh year. And this year is the 75th anniversary of uh, the uh, uh, Edgar Allan Poe House and Museum as a museum. Nice. So uh, we're celebrating a diamond anniversary. So if there was ever a time to come, do come to the festival this year for po the Poe House anniversary. A lot of really, really great things happening. And I, I suppose you'll even have uh, a lot of uh, Edgar Allan Poe reenactors wandering about, I bet. <laughs> Alive and dead. <laughs> We've had a, a dead girl at different times. Uh, we do... Um, we do have a uh, reenactment of Poe's first funeral. He did oh, really? Uh, uh, he was buried no fewer than three times. Again, a story for another day, if you'd like. But <laughs> um, uh, there, uh, we do have the body in a casket, and uh, you can come and pay your respects. So, um, and, and we do that at Westminster Hall. So a number of really, really great events. And uh, we have not put out all the full schedule yet, but uh, people will get to see some of the really great stuff we have planned for this year. But this is an annual event, so do come uh, just about any time. And uh, but there's there's every every time's a good time to come and visit us at Poe House. We're open every week. Outstanding, Enrica. I would have to say, Enrica. Sorry, I didn't pronounce that right. Um, I would have to say that I think you have the coolest job in the world. <laughs> I think so too. I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It was a very cool job. Yeah, exactly. Can't thank you enough for saying yes, and I do appreciate it. Of course, I'm so glad I could uh, have be on the show. Thank you so very much. 
Thanks for joining us for 1001 True Stories with me, Brian Trombley. And if you think you have a story to share or know someone who does, email me at brian at morinstreetmedia.com. That's brian at morinstreetmedia.com. The link is in the show notes. We enjoy reviews as well as you sharing our show with others. This is 1001 True Stories with Brian Trombley. Everyone's got a story. What's yours? We now release 1001 True Stories every Sunday at noon Eastern Time. See you then. 